When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to PHOI Philly Podcast. Yes, it is Friday, the first Friday of November. So happy that you're here because I thought we were gonna have to have Jamie twerk Mm. for likes and for comments. So not for free for for the dollars, for Mm -hmm. the dollars, guys. Listen, it's a weird, (laughs) funky. It's a freaky Friday. We're having a little bit of everything happening today, and uh, but we're here, guys. PHOI Philly Podcast is here. Thank you guys for tuning in on. YouTube, uh, for those tuning in on podcast platforms, happy to have you here as well. Jaime Lindor, they can hear us now. We were talking about how it's we're excited. It's Friday, of course, a big weekend. More games this weekend. Sixers playing against Phoenix, and then the big one. Sunday, Eagles, Cowboys. I'm fired up. Yeah, me and Bo will be on, uh, me, Bo, and Zach, excuse me, Zach will be at the stadium, obviously, me and Bo here. Uh, We'll be on pregame at 4 o'clock Sunday, doing postgame after. And, yeah, like Cowboys, you know, Eagles, I think is a little overhyped at times. Uh, But when both teams are great and there's a lot of NFC, like, standings uh, on the line, this should be a pretty exciting one this weekend. So I'm pretty pretty fired up for Eagles Cowboys. So uh, you can check us out. Uh, on Sunday i'm loving that uh that's a good tailgate to go down it's a great tailgate to go down down. to i'm not working on sunday so i will be living my best life on sunday do it throwing back drinks watching and i'll take some drinks for all of you as well uh especially you jamie since you'll be working the post game show and and all the you know all the game content in your if you've watched any (laughs) phillies post game show you know i'm not opposed to having a couple drinks on it as you should be (laughs) do you man do you man so uh, while we're on the subject and before we like move on from it how do you feel you think the eagles pull it off I, I, I feel good. I feel this good. It's going to be a really I think tight game, I think. It is. It's going to be a dog Nerve fight for ranking. sure. Um, listen, when I keep telling people, because everybody wants to completely doubt the Eagles and talk about how Jalen Hurts is struggling, the number of interceptions he's had, the O-line struggles, the D-line struggles, the, the Eagles are the only team in the league with seven wins for a reason. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to have bad games and still win. Look at the 49ers who dropped three in a row. Brock Purdy. Not Soaps. a great production. So I'm saying, you know what? I'm optimistic. No team right now is consistently hot week to week. The Dolphins were the team everybody was high on. And then look what the Eagles did to them. Yeah. So I'm happy with the fact, even though the Eagles aren't playing perfect football, which you shouldn't be this early in the first half of the season, they're still grinding out wins. And I think Sunday is going to be no different. We're beating up on the Cowgirls. Yeah, I, uh, I want to see Dak suffer. Um, Me too. Not like physically. I just want to see him have a bad game. <laughs> I don't want that. I'd to like to see Micah. Philadelphia media host says he wants Dak Prescott hurt. No, just, <laughs> that's what's gonna I come just, out. Yeah, I just someone's wanna... gonna clip that little piece. <laughs> I want to see Dak suffer and then have him. I just want to see him have a shitty game. In other words, so uh, a lot of fun this weekend. Uh, the Sixers got a big win last night, yes. and uh, of course now it's that was Philly's a fun time. One. That was fun. 
Yeah, the, the it's, it's a fun time. They are. It's a fun time right now because the Flyers and the Sixers are surprising people because they're finding ways to win. I feel like the the Sixers specifically kind of have this grinded out um, underdog vibe, which we always do in Philly. And you see Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris having good games. So it's, yeah. it's a and, fun time right now. And a fur can first quarter yes. last night for the ages. <laughs> and with that, it's it's not only fun because we have an uh, off-season conversation to get into. Whoop-de-doo, sarcasm. But because it's Friday with Foley. That's right. Our first Friday, or I guess first official Friday with Foley edition. Uh, because today we've got a lot to get into with grading. We're talking about World Series odds, the poor Padres. And by poor, I mean financially poor. And also we've got John Foley back on the show again today. John Foley, welcome into our Friday with Foley edition. Happy to have you here, buddy. Looking forward to being able to talk Phillies with you and having you back on again. Welcome. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here once again. Look at that. He's upgraded the backdrop since say. last week. Nice. I had to go all out for you guys. <laughs> like 1999. So. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, John, uh, we've been grading, and for everybody tuning in, we've been grading Every day, a different group for the Phillies. We started with the starting pitchers. We did infield on Tuesday. We went with the bullpen. Then we did outfield. And today, we've got to go with the coaching staff because they're not above getting graded also. And so let's let's jump right in. Uh, I think we're, for this, it's not just Rob. We're going Rob, Dave, Ka Kevin, everybody. Everybody's going to get graded. Ka Caleb. So I feel like we should start with Kevin Long. Probably yeah, sitting. sure. Um, Jamie, how are you feeling about Kevin Long this season and, and what he did? Um, I, look, I, I think when it comes to a hitting coach, uh, they get overpraised when the team does well. They get overcriticized when the team struggles. Um, with some of the veteran hitters like your Trey's and Kyle's and Nick's and uh, Bryce's of the world, I don't know how much like they help obviously and they help them work through film and prepare for hitters and all of that. But like, I don't know if they're really going to have an impact on somebody that's already an established vet. So what I look for with the hitting coach for right or wrong is how does he do with young guys? Uh, how does he help the young guys come along? And I think when you look at Bryson Stott, Brandon Marsh, Christian Pache, even Johan Rojas, who hit nearly 300 in the regular season, um, <laughs> for that I gave Kevin Long, uh, the hitting coach of the Phillies, a B plus because, you know, I think a lot of young guys took steps in the right direction uh, obviously it all fell apart versus the Diamondbacks when they shifted their uh, approach to the Phillies and just started throwing them slop. Um, but I can't roast Kevin Long for that because I think a lot of that falls on the players. I don't think he was telling them to go up there and swing low and outside and flail at first pitches. So overall, <laughs> fairly happy because I think most of the youth on the team uh, all took positive steps offensively. So I, I went with the B plus. Yeah. And let us know in the chat what you're thinking. I know Mopar is saying Kevin Log, you don't want him back. MBDBDBF is saying the approach this team had in the NLCS was utterly embarrassing. Uh, yeah. And Marshall, we do agree. We do appreciate having John on and ready to go. And John, let's, let's toss it over to you with that. What is, what is your grade for Kevin Long hitting coach for this season? I would go just a little, a bit lower than Jamie, I would go. I would go with a B. Um, I think his point is very well taken about the. Good, uh, you know, start great season. Um, but I, I give a little more weight to uh, what happened at the end of the NLCS there, in that um, 
you know, the, the Diamondbacks obviously came up with a plan that, you know, these guys are free swingers. Don't give them much to hit. And, uh, you know, a, a lot of it's on the players, especially the veterans. They need to be able to adjust that on their own. At the same time, if, uh, you know, if we're going to give Kevin Long credit for, um, you know, earlier in the series, sort of giving the advice to, to jump all over pitches early, I think you got to ding him a little bit for what went on late in the series and in, in that if an entire team is, is struggling with their, their, their approach, uh, I, I think that reflects on Kevin Long. Now I, you know, like Jamie said, you, it, it's hard to determine how much of this is the players, how much of this is the coach. Um, but I, I don't think I can go higher than a B with, with the way things ended. Yeah, I think that's more than fair, John. I, I mean, I said to Renee in one of the postgame shows, I was like, if I'm Kevin Long and one more time Trey Turner and Nick Castellanos swings at a low and outside breaking pitch, uh, I, I would tell them I'm on the verge of climbing out of this dugout and fighting you at home plate. Because if you do get that bat off your shoulder in any instance here, I will come out and fist fight you in front of your family. Um, <laughs> that's at the point. So, like, yes, I think what you're saying is totally fair. Um, I think you do have to, to put a little blame on, on that. Um, so, yeah, I think you and, and I, I have a feeling Renee is going to follow in your footsteps yep. here. And that is exactly why, John, I also gave Kevin Long a B. I do agree with you, Jamie, that it was great to see the improvements in the young guys. But... I keep grading on the full season and weighting the postseason with a heavier percentage. To be honest, I felt like if I was looking at just the postseason, it could it could be a little bit lower because of the fact that you mentioned, John. What are you saying? Granted, I'm not in those conversations. I have no idea what Kevin Long is or is not saying, but what I do know is that it did not get better. And looking at the NLCS, like you said, Jamie, and this is exactly what I was thinking, I would have loved to see Kevin Long, and again, there's only we're only limited what the cameras show us having those conversations with guys trey nick bryce bryson their approach at the plate has to change and if they're not you absolutely have to be able to have the conversation with them to try to um, work on something now i don't know if he did but what i do know is it did not improve so that's where at the end of the day as a coach no you're not out there you know, at the plate batting for them, but you are the guy that's supposed to be, you know, making adjustments, talking to them, getting them locked in, getting them focused, making those tweaks. If pitchers are, are tweaking how they're throwing balls to Bryce, okay, well, you need to also tweak how you're approaching the, the ball. So I know in the chat, you guys are saying similar stuff. Chris, you're saying the fact that everyone was swinging at garbage, bingo. They couldn't adjust to the Diamondbacks. That's my, that's my problem. The approach at the plate was frustrating because it felt like we kept seeing it over and over again, and there was no change, no adjustment, and it was absolutely uh, something that I do blame Kevin Long for. That is your job. You are the hitting coach, and if the team is not hitting well, I'm blaming them, and I'm blaming you. Yeah, so and, I gave him a solid B for that exact reason. Mopar in the chat says Bryce's approach was consistent. He just wasn't <clears> getting <throat> anything to hit. Yeah, and that that on me falls that, on Rob Thompson for not changing Alec Bohm out of the four hole. Uh, but we'll get to him in a second. I don't think Bryce was that bad. I just think the Diamondbacks realize we can't let this guy hurt us. Now, well, here's the thing. It's, we expected that. We even said it, it took opponents long enough to realize to make sure you're not throwing Bryce anything to hit. But still, as the hitting coach, you have to talk through the entire batting order to figure out ways to get hits. And to see Nick Castellanos, for example, have just one hit in the first game of the NLCS and none after that, 
That's not a, it's not acceptable. So I do put some of that on Kevin Long because that's quite literally your job to manage. Tyler, what are your what are your thoughts if you want to jump in? Yeah, I think that um, the hard part, these are all like grown men. They're professional hitters. So like I I don't know. I really genuinely, when I hear about hitting coaches getting hired and fired and and a lot of times they get scapegoated (laughs) and and it kind of is what it is. So like I genuinely don't know how to properly grade a guy who is working under an offense that is expected to do exactly what it did throughout the course of the year, which was mash and strike out a lot. So like if you look at the numbers that they posted they were eighth in the league in home runs eighth in the league in rbis and they were also eighth in the league in strikeouts like that is about as consistent as they possibly <laughs> can get yeah. so like we so we've talked about living and dying by the sword with this team uh with the long ball and maybe like i know renee i know you don't like that that mentality of of nope. strictly having one way to go about things but they're ninth in average ninth and uh, on base and they're fifth in slugging across baseball this year they were exactly what they we expected them to be and it just so happened that they went ice cold at a really, really, really bad time. I think Kevin Long gets a B for me, but I, I, I genuinely don't know how to properly grade Kevin Long based on the fact that they did exactly what they thought they were going to do all year, and they also totally mismanaged their approach at the plate in, in the back end of the NLCS. I, I yeah. think my yeah. concern is... You know, I I hear you on the fact these are grown men. These are professional athletes. These are the best of the best. But that doesn't excuse any other coaches or coordinators in any other sport. And so I'm not I'm I I can't go back and just say it's not his fault because they should know they should be able to do this and they should be able to coach, you know, as professionals figure it out. No, that's then what's the point of that's why we have hitting coach, pitching coach, assistant hitting coach. But, uh, That's why they're there it, to coach I, I, and I manage to, the guys. Uh, so I don't fully blame him, but I, to some extent, your role is to make sure in the biggest moments you can get hits. And I love the fact that in the regular season, the stats that the Phillies had smashing home runs was great, but I also cannot stand the fact that come the NLCS specifically, and even the loss to the Braves and the NLDS, it was the same woes game the game, and also the same issues that we saw last year against the Astros. But to believe that he's not doing that, I think, is wrong. Well, that's the issue. Like, I don't, I'm if he's not, not there. Do, if he's not, I'm not there to know exactly what well, is or is not are, being said. But, but, but I have to believe, because he's praised around baseball. You know, uh, Jonathan in the chat says, you know, Trey Turner even shouted him out as a reason he, he chose the Phillies. I have to believe he's having these conversations uh, when it goes cold like that in the NLCS, I, bl- I blame the players. Like, cause I don't think Kevin Long is not having those conversations. I think those conversations aren't translating to the field. And that's where I'm not putting it all on him, but I am putting some of the blame on him too. Yeah, that's fair. I, I mean, mean I think you guys to, are all fair with I your I think grades. It's, one th- it's, it's one thing if it's not translating. It's another thing if it's, it's the same issue over and over again, and you don't see you see the same swings, the same at bats. So it's. I would have spiked their waters with Adderall or something. It's something. Something's got to be able to change. Well, on the other side, let's talk about pitching coach Caleb Cotham. Um, Tyler, I'll let you jump in first, actually, on this one and share your thoughts, and then we'll go over to you, John. Yeah, I thought Caleb Cotham did a pretty good job this year because across baseball, the numbers were up, and I think it's it's uh, a factor. There's two factors that play into that. Um, it's the banning of the shift, and it's the pitch clock. I mean, I know we talked about how much the pitch clock annoyed us, you know, especially when it comes to Craig Kimbrell, but there is there is merit to, to say it did change pitchers' approaches. Stolen bases were up, and, and I think across baseball, ERA was up. The Phillies were 12th in team ERA this year. It's not great. It's not awful. It's right in the middle 
middle of the pack. Um, but if you look across baseball, the leading ERA team as a team for 2023 was the Milwaukee Brewers with a 3.71. If this were last year, that would have posted 10th in Major League wild, Baseball. Wild. I mean, there's a clear shift in an offensive focus because of those two things, right? ERA was up. They were worse. The Phillies ERA as a team was worse this year than it was last year, but they had a higher rank. They ranked 12th this year. I think they were 15th or 16th last year. I think that Chicks dig the long ball, every, Tyler. Every pitching coach had a, a tough go of it this year because of the fact that the numbers were up. The Dodgers posted a team 2-8 last year, and the, the best this season was 3.71. I, I think that it's really hard to grade on a proper scale for any pitching coach this year. So I will give him merit for guys like Jeff Hoffman. I will give him merit for guys like Christopher Sanchez and Jamie. I'm not going to take too much because I know you're going to touch on those guys. I think he gets a B-ish as well because <laughs> I, again, I, I really don't know where to go from here other than I think that they the team won a lot of games and they had success in the playoffs and Caleb Cotham was a fair portion of it. John, take it away. What do you got for him? Yeah, I, I think I agree on just about all those points. I mean, B-ish sounds about right. I might go B-minus. I, You know, I do understand that ERAs are up across the league, but I'm looking at some of these numbers, NOLA, 446, um, giving up just astronomical amounts of home runs. Wheeler turns it on for the playoffs, but in the regular season, 361, which is, you know, unwheeler-like. Uh, and, you know, you go one by one through these pitchers and there's not many pleasant surprises. I mean, Hoffman being a very notable exception, first half of, of Craig Kimbrell um, was, it was a notable exception. So to the extent, and, you know, we have, uh, you know, the, the same problem we have here with trying to assess Kevin Long in, in that you don't know how much of it is on the players and how much of it is on, on a pitching coach. Um but to the extent you look at players' numbers and you look at their historical numbers, there doesn't seem to have been much of a, a positive effect here uh, with anyone except, except Hoffman. I think Sir Anthony didn't really perform up to expectations. Gregory Soto, 4.62 ERA. I mean, I just look look across the board here, and uh, you know, it, it seemed like the the plan was to bring in these big arms, you know, and, and people who can just throw gas. And then coach them up. Uh, I don't. I don't think they got coached up to a point where uh, where it was enough. Um, so I'm, I'll, I'll go B minus. Oh, solid. Well, I I went with a B plus actually for for Cotham. I uh, same exact reasoning. I I think for. The, the bullpen, but also when you look at the numbers, as you mentioned, we saw some improvement in some areas, but it still was it. It's hard for it is hard to grade coaches, but I think for specifically Cotham versus Long, I feel a little bit more optimistic in that the pitching in the postseason was exactly what we expected. You know, I, minus Craig Kimbrell in games three and four, the NLCS, uh, for the most part, it's, it felt as though the pitching was exactly what we expected. So I gave him a B plus just because I think he was just it was just solid. It was you know the adjustments to the pitch clock. I do think that needs to be something, uh, you know, well, Craig probably won't be back, but something like that is an area that I'd, I don't know what those conversations are either. But I think that overall bigger picture, I felt a little bit more comfortable with the pitching down the stretch versus hitting in at bats. And for that reason, I gave him a little bit of an upper hand over Kevin Long. Yeah, I, I, uh, I also went with a B plus. 
Um, I think uh, Team ERA and Team Whip in the playoffs were actually the best in all of baseball, uh, which makes like losing to the Diamondbacks so much worse. Uh, your Team ERA was great and your Team Whip was great. Um, and, you know, those that, again, doesn't all go to Caleb Cotham, but I think when it comes to playoff time, each game's plan um, is, is more amplified than it is in the regular season. Uh, and as Tyler said, I think Hoffman uh, and Christopher Sanchez I thought was spectacular this year. Uh, and again, with those coaches, I look more towards how do they handle the youth, how do they help the youth develop um, more than I do like the veterans. Like, was was Caleb Cotham going to fix Taiwan Walker's seven, second half of the season struggles? No, that's probably who Taiwan Walker is at this point. Uh, but with a guy like Sanchez, Hoffman had kind of been a journeyman, uh, was on the verge of going to Japan, and, and you know, something was unlocked there. Uh, there's a guy around baseball I really admire called Brent Terry Strom, and he was actually the Diamondbacks pitching coach this year, uh, was with the Astros for a long time, and he was one of those guys that, like, unlocked Charlie Morton's spin rate. And, like, certain coaches can get stuff out of guys uh, more so than others. So... Uh, you know, it's it, it certainly wasn't the best year by any means. I went B plus. I think that's fair. Uh, but I think Christopher Sanchez and Jeff Hoffman <laughs> could be instances of a positive effect on on two guys this year. And and again, the playoff numbers as a staff um, were were pretty exceptional. So you know, I think a B plus is fair. I, I toyed with the idea of an A minus, but I, I settled in at B plus. Yeah, it definitely felt like you could see Coffin getting the best out of guys. And, you know, Hoffman's a great example of a reason why I gave him a B plus. I agree with all your points. I know in the chat you guys are saying B minus for Mopar. Uh, you have to start off better April 1st. Uh, the WC for some of these guys, you get it, but you need a better out, out of the gate. I know CM, C Mick 62480 is saying why did it take so long for Nola to get adjusted to the pitch clock? I think that goes back to Tyler's point about just the fact across the league, you could see everybody struggling to adjust to the pitch clock. Um, and then, um, Jonathan, you're saying it's no surprise the ERA went up. They didn't have a fifth starter for the first few months, and the bullpen was wildly overused in the first half. Yeah, there's, there's obviously other things you can attribute to to what we saw this season, but uh, let's let's see what else. Let's keep going with the grading trade here's here. The, here's the big let's one. Let's talk about Dave Dombrowski. Jamie, you say it's a big one. I'll let you go first. Uh, Take I, it on. What do you what do you feel about it, it, Dave? I, I think time? Dave and his staff, and I've been screaming uh, for them to hire somebody from the Rays front office for the past like six years. It seemed like uh, they finally did that. You know, Preston Mattingly, some of the guys they've put in place to fix the farm system and the developmental system, I think have been like A-plus hires. Uh, I really like the direction of everything. Uh, I like the offseason moves. You know, a guy like Hoffman, uh, for him to be one of your high leverage guys at the end of the year, I think you get a lot of credit for. The problem is the trade deadline, I gave him an F. Um, mm. This was an opportunity to – I didn't give Dave Dombrowski. I gave him and his staff a B, uh, but the trade deadline specifically got an F, and that was a chance to really help this team who was championship, you know, contending in caliber, uh, and your big moves were Rodolfo Castro, who didn't really see the field, and Michael Lorenzen, who, you know, started out with a spectacular no-hitter <laughs> and then basically barely contributed it in a positive way the rest of the year. So your two trade deadline moves uh, were all for naught. And, you know, off-season stuff, I think a couple other things, they've been good enough that it kind of, you know, dragged it down to a B instead of being, you know, an A or an A+. 
Yeah, I actually gave him a B also for the and my the two main names that I highlighted was Castro and Lorenzen because uh, that was those are <laughs> trades that you look back on and you're like, why? What was what was what's the point of that? But um, I do love the fact Orion Hoffman uh, even calling up. Yo, Yoro and Johan Rojas, um, you know, there were some transactions throughout the course of the season that I thought the timing of it was good. Some of the guys that were moved down, some of the guys that are brought up, giving them a chance. So I think a solid just a B. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see, especially this, you know, the, as we get into the offseason and we continue having conversations around Reese and Nola and different guys, exactly how that plays out. John, what about you? be a little controversial but I'd, i want to go hard on dave I'd, i think i'd give him a c um those trade deadline moves you know you, you've got a team that's all in that's ready to go ready ready to win a world series and yeah you and you come away with castro and lorenzen and lorenzen for a start or two including a no hitter that seemed like an amazing hit but it ended up actually being you know sort of a not not such a helpful move. Castro didn't give you anything at all. Um, and when you look at a team that came so close to winning the NLCS, uh, it just, you know, it leaves me at a loss that you, you, you take a team, you spend all this money on the team in the offseason, you get it 90-some percent of the way there, and then the trade deadline rolls around, and these, these are your big pickups. These are your acquisitions. Um, you know, they didn't have to make a, a blockbuster. You know, the starters, the stars were all in place. Um, but you got to get a little something more off your off your bench than uh, than, than Castro was giving you. Um, you know, Lorenzen ended up really not having much of a role in the postseason. So, just based on based on those trade deadline moves, uh, I, I see the comments. Some fair for a guy. I mean, we're talking about what he did this year. I. I think Dave Dombrowski is the right guy for the trade job. I, yeah, yeah. I think by no means do I do I think they should move in a different direction. I think he's great, uh, but if we're looking at what he did this season, you know the off the off season moves. Um, Trey Turner was sort of obvious to everyone. Uh, you know he got it done, so I give him credit for that. Um, you know uh, Taiwan Walker was a was a was a good signing for a three four starter. You know fifteen wins, um, ERA in low fours. He's about what you would expect um you know but when it came to some of some of the other offseason moves uh gregory soto i i don't know if he brought more to the team um than having you know those quality uh those quality reserve players that that we had last year um you know veerling maton we didn't have those sorts of guys to really just pop up in unexpected moments and and really deliver you know we had uh we had jay cave getting what three 300 plus at bats that that shouldn't be happening so again overall big dave dombrowski fan don't want to see anyone else taking the reins here but for for what he did this season i understood a lot of the strategy but it didn't work out and then the trade deadline was a was a big f um, so, so I'm gonna give him a C overall. Yeah, that's that's fair because as you mentioned, we're not talking about last year helping the you know the, as the Phillies gets the World Series and he gets a contract extension. We're talking about this season and off season into the trade deadline. And there's a lot of different points in there you're making. I know in the chat is all over the place. A lot of A minuses. I know. Um, I think it's C C Mick said 
I'm just going to, oh, that's a weird name. But C. Nick said A minus only for Castro. I'm going to get rid of the numbers. Mopar saying, uh, making fun of double D nickname. But Eugene Krabs, of course, using his usual comments. But a couple A minuses I saw in there, some A's. Uh, so you guys are high on, on Dave Dombrowski. But, John, I think your points are valid. And, Tyler, I'm interested to see where you fall on the spectrum. We've got everything from an A to a C. Uh, what are you, where do you have Dave graded? Yeah, so I think that if we're going to play this uh, – and, by the way, before we get started, because I'm going to use the phrases uh, general manager and, like, president of baseball operations, like, kind of interchangeably, because I don't want people to go, well, <laughs> Sam Fultz actually the general manager. Yeah. All right. We, we know what – you know what I'm trying to say here <laughs> when I say this. There are very few um, people that are in charge of baseball decisions. How about that? I like that. Um, that I would take – over Dave Dombrowski over the course of the last two seasons. Alex Anthopoulos is the one that immediately comes to mind. I think that everything he has touched has turned to gold for the Atlanta Braves over the last probably three or four years. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, I've looked around the league and there has been, have been some terrible terrible baseball decisions being made across both national and American league. The Chicago White Sox are an absolute dumpster fire right yeah. now because of the, the the moves that they have made. Um Dave Dombrowski has done far more good than bad. And I think if we're just talking about the acquisitions this year, I know Trey Turner had an up and down season. I think that the being able to acquire a player like that, even if with a bad first year, I expect a better year too. So that's a good move. Matt Strom was a very savvy very good move. move. Yeah. Jeff Hoffman was a really savvy move. I'm not as in on the Taiwan Walker move. You guys know how much Nathan I don't Uvaldi like. would have been better. Yeah, I think <laughs> you're probably right. But um, the, the you know, and, and to me, the Gregory Soto move that John was talking about uh, on the surface was a good one because I did. I'm not a Nick Maton guy. Matt Veerling is is tough to lose. He's a, a fourth outfielder who can play all three positions. But I think the good has pretty pretty much heavily outweighed the bad except as all three of you uh, had pointed to was the trade deadline yeah it was yeah. it was uneventful uh, to say the least and we all love the, the the no hitter um that takes him probably down at least a half letter grade so over the course of the 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 last like 12 months uh, let's say about 12 months or so uh, I think that there's been way more good than bad I would give sure. Dave Dombrowski a B plus okay. over the 2024 yeah, I, I was season. Right there season. on your heels with a B uh, Mopar raises a, a, a fair point and he said the trade deadline around baseball was kind of kind of dead this year and you kind of need two to tango when it does come to a trade it was a very uneventful trade deadline across baseball and I feel like uh, it's gotten worse the last two years and maybe it's because of that extra playoff mm -hmm. spot now and teams feel as though they still have a chance and they don't want to sell and and look what happened to the Diamondbacks and look what happened to the Phillies last year so I feel like I feel like there's a hesitancy to move on from uh, players more so than there was three years ago so it's something to keep an eye on it's something to uh, you know put in your back pocket when you're going into this offseason that, hey, maybe I can't get as many pieces as I might like to get at the trade deadline, and maybe I have to go grab that extra bullpen arm now when money wins. Yeah, yeah, you guys are both hitting on, on it specifically about the uneventful trade deadline, some good points. You know what's not uneventful and full of events, concerts, games? It's a Game Time app. The Game Time app is a place you can go to be able to find some great price tickets, easy to find your seats. You can see your seats in advance so you know exactly where you're going to be sitting, what your view is going to be, and it makes it very convenient for you to be able to 
Get those tickets to go cheer on your favorite team, sing along with your favorite artists and bands through the GameTime app. Use that code PHLY that's on your screen for those of you that, that are tuning in to watch us live on YouTube. Uh, those of you listening on podcast platforms, again, it is code PHLY. And with that code, you get $20 off your purchase at the GameTime app. All right, well, we've talked about Kevin, Caleb, Dave, it only leaves us with one last, one more topper, Rob Thompson. No, I wish they actually got to a point where they were saying one more topper. Mm, that would have been too cool. Too soon. Not yeah, a great. It still hurts. Yeah, it does hurt. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like I, I just, I lowered the, the vibes here with that one more um, topper because we don't cool. have that. Who wants no. to go first with that? Uh, John, why don't you kick <laughs> us off with uh, Rob Thompson? Sure. I did. I think I'm I'm a big Rob Thompson guy. I, I think I'll I'll give him an A minus on this season. And I think part of part of where your grade on Rob Thompson lands is sort of inversely related, right, to where your your Dave Dombrowski um, grade lands. In that, you know, how many options did the Topper really have um, as as they went rolling into the into the postseason? You know, first of all, I, I love Thompson's approach in terms of being consistent, being level-headed. You know, this team, they started 0-4. They were 5-10. and 10. I don't think they really got back to, to 500 until they were like 20-20. and 20. Um, You know, that, that could be tough, and a, and a season can go off the rails early. You know, we forget about, um, you know, what, what April looked like by the end of the season. But, you know, there could have been a lot of reactionary moves, um, you know, there were people calling for all sorts of crazy lineup shakeups, um, you know, Citray Turner for a week, all, all the sorts of things that uh, a, a steady manager just tunes out and says, hey, I believe my guys, we're going to keep moving forward here with, with what we're doing. And eventually it's going to work out. And eventually it did over the course of 162 games. Um, if, you, if you look at the numbers, uh, you know, with a, a certain qualifying minimum number of games, He's your winningest manager percentage-wise in, in Philly's history. That's that's above Charlie. And again, sample size. You didn't have those late Charlie years, but that's a, that's above Charlie. That's above Dallas Green. That's above everybody else. He's he's been winning games, um, you know, and uh, helping the team through the reversity. Like two two straight seasons, you missed big chunk. Bryce Harper missed big chunks of the season. I think you gotta give Topper credit for all that. And then when he when he got to the the playoffs, uh, you know that that end of the postseason, he was in a tough spot based on the options he he had to him. Everybody wanted the lineup shakeup. They wanted somebody a right-handed bat that could protect Harper better. Well, you had Boehm there, and sure you can you could switch him out with Castellanos, and a lot of people were making that argument. But Castellanos was in like a, a one for twenty or or something along those lines. On JT so, personally. Yeah, JT, uh, that could that could have made sense, um, but I, d- I do think show, there's not a ton a manager can can really do other than show belief in his guys uh, when it comes to to the lineup, and then when it comes to the pitching decisions, he got kind of stuck. It wasn't like 2022 where he had a couple, uh, you know, a couple guys that he felt comfortable with in those high leverage situations. He didn't have to, to run in 2022. He didn't have to run Orion Kirkering out there. And I think Orion has an incredibly bright future. But he started he started in single A this year. He was he was pretty wild last year. 
<laughs> so, and it's like, it, it looked, and I was a believer. I said, okay, look, he's, he's doing well at every level. It looks like he has ice water in his veins. And I think that's what led uh, Thompson to use him in some high leverage situations. Um, but I look at that as more, a, a, that's a reflection on Dombrowski again, not, not Topper that, you know, who, who he has to go to is, is Ryan, um, you know, Kimbrell had a great first half of the season, you know, by, by the end of the playoffs, he, he, he was unusable. Um, so I think a lot of the things Thompson has been getting flack for are not, are a little bit out of his control and the things that he can control, I think he does well. So Jonathan in our chat here says it's difficult to know if Thompson is responsible for the bad decisions being made. We don't know how much influence from the front office uh, and analytical department uh, affects his on-field decisions. I can tell you this. I know for a fact that the analytics department at the Phillies has grown exponentially over the last you know, five or six years, and they do have a heavy imprint, fingerprint, uh, on the matchups uh, and a lot of decisions. So... While he's the one pulling the trigger, yes, a lot of those decisions are made over his head. So, uh, you know, in fairness to Rob, I, I think that analytics department uh, pushes a lot of buttons internally there. So what's your grade that you're giving Rob? Uh, I'll hop in. Yeah, sure. It's uh, I gave him an A-. minus. Um, you know, I think with the way the season started, a lot of teams that aren't quality veteran um, players you could and and don't forget high paid players so I think that the culture he's brought about ever since um, you know taking over last year for Joe Girardi um, the culture's great and you know they never think they're out of games they have a resilience and that, that's what I think the manager's biggest job is outside of you know the, the bullpen decisions I think the biggest things they do are making the right bullpen calls which in the NLCS you can Blame him a little bit, I think, for Kimbrell in game three and four, but not a ton else because uh, pitching isn't what let you down in the playoffs. So I can't, like, roast Rob for those. Uh, your bats are what let you down. So I think the culture and never feeling as though you're out of games, uh, even with two shitty starts to two years in a row now, they've been able to pull out of it. Uh, so I think Rob gets a lot of that to John's point of like stability and calmness. I think he has all that. And then managing bullpen, I think for the most part was pretty good this year. So, you know, it, it's, uh, it, I, I remember the majority of my life uh, as a Phillies fan and it's not going to a world series and losing in an NLCS in back-to-back -back years. So while it sucks and it hurts and all that right now, I don't think it's a, a reflection of Rob and his staff, I think for the most part they they did pretty well. So I went with an A minus. All right, Tyler, I'm gonna actually let you go next because I'm I'm interested. To you're see. gonna drop the hammer last. <laughs> I'm drop the hammer last. <laughs> I am. Did you guys know the uh, you guys know the the, uh, the bleep around and find out graph? Yeah, the yeah, one yeah. That, yes. you know, The more you yes. the more you bleep around, that the more you find graph, out. Yeah, yeah it, it's kind of similar to managers like bleep with, with where the axis is like talent versus productivity, and sure. the more talent you have, the more expectations on productivity sure. arise. This team was expected to be a playoff team both seasons. The way that the Joe Girardi stuff transpired, Rob 
Rob Thompson was kind of heralded as a hero because of the way that he righted the ship. And uh, this year they had expectations of going deep in the postseason, and, and they did. And I know that a lot of people believe that they came up short and because of who you lost to and how you lost. But the fact remains, you went to a World Series and went to an NLCS yeah. over the last two seasons. Rob Thompson pulls the right strings in some capacity to me to, uh, to, to, to warrant a, a strong grade. Now, I will say this. I think that Rob Thompson's overusage of certain guys early in the season was detrimental to regular season success, such as Matt Strom, such as uh, Jake Cave, who had to kind of play more than we expected yeah, him to. I mean, to. Cody Clemens played Cody Clemens played a games, lot of games. He was kind of screwed. <laughs> he, he was kind of working with the hand that he was dealt, and I, I, I tend to agree with uh, Jamie and John. I know you guys were talking about the analytics department. Like, uh, there's... The, the, the hand dips pretty heavily into, oh, yeah. into the pot for, for the decision-making for this team. I think Rob Thompson is a, a calming factor. I don't believe Rob Thompson is like a massive difference maker in the decisions that he makes one way or the other, Agreed. because I think there's only a handful of managers, both directions that get that kind of leeway where like, you know, you've, Call, called all the right shots or you like never call the right shots like last year Rob Thompson called all the right shots and this year he kind of you know rescinded to the mean a little bit um I, I think with all of that being said there's expectations there's talent level there's a large payroll and Rob Thompson has helped this team deliver to an extent to get to back-to-back -back NLCS to go yeah. to a World Series Rob Thompson gets a B plus for me this season um and, and I think that he was pretty good for most of the year other than certain like I'm nitpicking about sure. bullpen decisions other than the Craig Kimbrell decision which I know Renee is going to harp on <laughs> I just know oh it. yeah she's going to give him a D um, yeah you know but, it's coming oh, but overall I think Rob Thompson was pretty good this year with the hand he was dealt I give him a B plus yeah C-Mac in the chat says I would have gone uh, Roger Mason over Kimbrell there oh, uh, man. as a dagger to my 93 wow. childhood heart yeah wow. thank you C-Mac <laughs> you're all feeling that um, okay so guys this might be my last time on the show based off of what I'm about to say so if moving forward it's just Jamie Tyler uh -oh. and John it is what it is uh -oh. at least I'm at least I'm going out speaking my mind I was not nearly as positive as you guys were with Rob I think that Rob managers in my opinion do a, have a direct impact it's kind of like parents on kids is the comparison I'll use like your team is a reflection of how your manager is and I think that Rob and his ability to stay even keel not too high not too low is great at times but I think there's times where you can see that direct reflection on the team that they need to have a little bit more and I know earlier way way earlier Marshall Lynch was calling me out because I'm all about wanting in the in the clubhouse in the dugout more synergy and I do and I and I think that starts at the top with Rob this team does a great job of celebrating each other lifting each other up cheering for each other this, you know we got all the cool celebration and stuff and they do a better job of that than most teams but I I if if there was a stat for you know the inability to to crawl out of ruts I would, I would say the Phillies struggle with that, for starting with the main reason of the lack of synergy when things are not going well. They get quiet. The dugout gets silent. Everybody has this, like, mopey face. And I think that starts with Rob. I don't think he has to be the rah-rah guy. But I think the conversations and the way that this team deals with the ruts has to be better because it's two postseasons in a is, row What of is this. it, Renee? I also fought him for Craig. I also fought him for the bad start to the season. He is the, he's the, this is his team. 
He's the manager of this team, and it's his job, whether it's managing emotions, <laughs> managing how guys are playing, I agree, managing rotations. He has me. to be the one to manage his team to make sure they're successful. And Drop it. Like you mentioned, Tyler, this was a postseason team. This was a World Series team, and they underperformed this year, not just getting knocked out in the NLCS, but how they lost in those four games oh, is no. not okay. It's oh, I'm no. not I'm not settling, guys. I'm sorry. Everybody else can be rah-rah. The Phillies still had two good. <laughs> what is it? It is a long goodbye. The Phillies had two good years. World Series, NLCS, they overachieved. No, they did not. I'm not settling. I'm raising the bar on topper. And with that, my grade is. I'm scared. A C plus. Oh, okay. I was expecting it's not you to that get bad. It's not that bad. It's You're not gone. that bad. But honestly, degrees, baby. I can acknowledge that. Oh, no, I'm going off the screen. But listen, I just I, – I don't think we can – it's not okay for us to continue this narrative of – I understand the drought of the playoffs that we're all stuck with. This is not the same team. Completely different management, completely different way that he's instilling confidence in guys and they're – fantastic in stretches of the season. And then there are stretches where they just are not good. And to have an NLCS performance like that, even the NLDS loss, I keep going back. It's those five games that stand out for me. The loss to the Braves, the four losses to the Diamondbacks, last year's Astros, which we're not talking <laughs> about last year. It is, <laughs> it is completely frustrating to me that Topper still gives you the same responses. That's Nick. Sometimes you can't hit. So, no, absolutely not. So when so he signs I, his extension in a week or two, I, your, your feelings will be... Listen, I don't think you should fire him. I think you bring him back. I'm all for a nice one year. Let's bring him back. Let's see what he does next year. If there are no improvements, we're having a different conversation. Um, but I just think to have the same woes season after season and continue with the same type of responses. He, You guys don't have to agree with me. The team's Clubhouse and, and vibes are a direct reflection of Rob Thompson. And it's not great when they're not doing well. They can't only be good when things are going great and they're winning and they're smashing home runs. They have to find ways to pick themselves up when they're not. And I think it starts with Rob. So I'm going with a C plus. I know you guys in the chat. Thank you for the prayers, Martian. Thank you for the statement, Eugene. Your Purse sources. Went down I parted ways. In your, in your diamond engagement ring from MBD. So oh, no. Just cost you 0.25 carats. At least I'm still carats. getting an engagement from MBDBDBF. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's that's all I got, guys. That's all I got. Winning wild card series isn't that great, Barbara. The bar is just higher for me. I think that's what it is. You wow. guys are, okay. you guys don't, you know, you're just happy because it's not the <laughs> playoff drought. I'm raising the bar. I want wow. championships, period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my gate, yeah, cap brand would be different too. Gabe Kapler gets good out of bad, talented rosters. I'll say that. Um, yeah. Interesting, you know, that. I, Tyler, you don't have to shake your head. He's had dr go look at his Phillies rosters. He had Gabe Kapler outperformed his talent. Uh, one all right. good year. I'm uh, not, year see, in San, the year in San Francisco was the only good year. Look he at his had. talent he, this year. He is a bad manager. He's not. Miss he, Honey no, over he here. No, no, no. What Miss Honey is, over here is, is a weirdo nerd. who disrupts locker rooms. I think baseball mind he's sound. I think the the butthole tanning and the spitting out his ice cream and other stuff like that uh, gets weird and it wears out its welcome pretty quickly. Yes, he does perineum tanning. No, I know. Oh, okay. I, 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 I thought you were looking at me no, like... No, it's just... it's. Yeah. John, your thoughts on Perninum tanning? <laughs> <laughs> well, what I can say about Gabe Kapler is I, I, I think I agree. I mean, I think, I think he's got a great baseball mind, but he's not brilliant 
to the point where you're you're willing to put up with all the rest of it. Um, are are my thoughts on on Kapler? Um, <laughs> no, I, I I would like him and the tanning and everything that goes along with him to be just to be somebody else's problem like it is now. I, I I'm not nostalgic for the Gabe Kapler days. That's for sure. Neither am I. I. I do follow him on Instagram, though, and I'll just let everybody know for the two people that care. He's kind of on an eat, pray, love, um, finding himself mission through Mexico right now. Oh, good Lord. And he's eating a lot of good foods and, and reflecting at the ocean and, and just getting in touch with inner Gabe. And I find his weirdness uh, so, so funny. Yeah, well. He's the strangest. Strange is, makes sense. I appreciate strange. Yeah, I've seen Stranger Things. Yeah. Mopar is saying that this is actually our best show to date. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, to be honest. I don't know uh, if the bar is, is that high or that low, but thank you, Mopar. I'm going to take that as a, as a compliment. Um, but, yeah, it's, it is interesting. I think when you talk about coaches, as we've gone back to uh, – let's go back to the Phillies really quickly. For, well, actually, for any coaches and management – it's, it's a tough battle because we don't know the conversations that are, are or are not being had. We don't know, as we talk about the influence of analytics in different departments, but what we know is what we see that's being played out. So I'm going to continue to raise the bar and hold people accountable. I, I think I, I just want the best for the Phillies. It's like tough love. And I did that for every player, and I'm not going to excuse the coaches and the staff from that either, Jamie. But I know we've got to move on here because time is a ticking we are moving along. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that kind of closes out, you know, the grades on the 2023 season. Monday, um, you know, MLB free agency officially opens. Uh, granted, not a ton typically happens in those first couple days. Uh, I do think it hurts the sex appeal of the MLB offseason, whereas like NFL and NBA free agency opens and it's like deals are already done and legal tampering and this and that. And baseball is just like this slow trickle. Uh, but December 5th coming up is the winter meetings. Um, you know, my takeaway, John, and I'm curious before we let you go, I don't know if you caught any of Dombrowski and Thompson talking last week, but my takeaway from it was that Aaron Nola is by far and away their top priority. Um, and the other interesting part is where's Bryce Harper going to play defensively? Uh, I think those two things affect the entire direction of the offseason. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know, the last last information I had read uh, with Nola is that they were they were way apart. Um, maybe then you would think maybe a little bit of a down regular season would would bring them closer. And then Nola has a pretty great uh, postseason. Um, so where you know if, if he's looking for for eight years or something, um, I, I know the Phillies aren't going to come close to that. Uh, there's there's always a team out there willing to pay a massive amount because they feel like they're one, you know, frontline starting pitcher away. I hope Nola's back. I, you know, honestly, I would, I would take somebody if Nola money, Nola resources could be reallocated to another starting pitcher that gives you the same thing. I, I would be in favor of that. You know, maybe a change the scenery for Nola. Somebody new comes in. Maybe the relationship is just run its course at this point, but, uh, you know, and, and until I hear a viable alternate plan, I, I really think you need to get Nola back. Um, so I think so too. Think so too. Um, and then, yeah, I, I do. I think it makes all the sense in the world for them to sort of leave it to Bryce in terms of what he wants to do uh, with his with his fielding position, and then from there you figure out where things go with with Hoskins. If I had to guess, I would imagine they let Hoskins walk. 
Um, but and vibe we'll a little bit too, and it's just yeah. just a just a guess. You know, it's not an educated guess even. It's just I I think Bryce was was pretty exceptional at first, and I I. I if I had to imagine going from right field to first where you're involved on the majority of plays is something that kind of tickled his fancy a little bit. I, I agree. It's, it's frustrating because we like Reese. Um, we love what he brings at bats, but first base. Here. Yeah. And, and honestly, Bryce Harper locked down first base. So I'm, I don't know. I'm, I think every day I'm feeling a little bit different about Reese and about Aaron and whether or not they should be brought back. But John, uh, we appreciate you taking time to join us and weigh in and join in on the fun. I know Mopar saying this was the most interactive show we ha we've had. Um, somebody, I think it was MBD, was saying this is their favorite show at PHLY because we always bring the fun. We'll take that. And there will be no Tyler Zuli slander in the chat. <laughs> I agree with you, Eugene Krabs. But John Foley, thank you so much for joining us for Friday with Foley. We appreciate you weighing in to help greed. <laughs> thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Hope to be back soon. Thanks. Uh, we're excited to be able to chat with him every Friday. He'll be joining us here on the show. Um, and also excited that you guys have been joining us in the chat. If you missed out, I know somebody said they missed out on the uh, Dave Dombrowski's grading don't worry drop it in the chat let us know or if you're listening on podcast platforms and you want to let us know your thoughts i know people sometimes tag us which is really cool as they're listening to the show they'll let us know where they're listening how they're listening to the podcast their comments their thoughts on what we've said so you know you can always keep the conversation going whether it's here whether it's in our discord for those of you that are diehards you can keep the conversation going there because that's a great spot to be able to talk around the clock and be a diehard to be able to join in our discord conversations we jump in on discord as well to keep Keep it going. So this conversation does not have to start here. Martian, we would like to talk Sixers. We'd like to talk birds. But yeah, I'll just we, say this about we, Sixers real quick. Oh. Kelly, Kelly Oubre might be the best bang for buck in the NBA right Honestly, now. Honestly, he really surprised me. <laughs> they he's gotta, got they, this. I know he's got some something else, some other shoe that's going to drop, and he's going <laughs> to frustrate us, and he's going to annoy us. But right now, the dude is a straight-up bargain. So he's, he's really out to prove something. Yeah. He hated the fact that people were overlooking him and didn't want to bring him into their teams, and he's out to prove why the Sixers made the right decision. And yeah. honestly, the performances he's had so far, uh, yesterday alone, I, I wasn't a huge Kelly. I was kind of like, wait, why Kelly Oubre? But you know what? I don't, I don't mind saying I may have been wrong, but we'll, it's a long season, a lot of basketball. Well, you know play. something that people shouldn't overlook, like <laughs> Kelly Oubre was overlooked, Renee, and that's Shady Rays. Ooh. Gear up for the season ahead with quality shades built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have got you covered uh, with premium polarized shades. My cousin's been yelling at me for years to get a pair. He's been a Shady Rays guy for probably five or six years now, and now they have quick sw swap snow goggles for you if you you're a ski snowboarder, just mountain person, go get you some of those. Shady Rays is an independent company uh, that has an unrivaled product that's just as good as any of those expensive sunglasses on the market. Uh, and that's not all. Shady Rays, they're a bit kooky. They're a bit nuts. They're wild. They offer the most insane protection wow, in all wow, of wow. iWord. And I, I word, I wear, Jamie, you can read, read words, English, <laughs> every pair of sunglasses is backed by the lost or broken replacement plan. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they'll just send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your shady rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. 
Rays. Shady Rays is committed to making a difference in communities across the U.S. through their impact program, teaming up with nonprofits to help people live healthy, courageous lives through some of their most challenging times. And if you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange them for a new pair or return them free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. Exclusively for our listeners is a great deal. Shady Rays is giving out an amazing deal. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code PHLY for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over a quarter of a million people. Wow. That's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. Wow. Uh, Dave, love the fact that you're listening to our show in the car yesterday. Um, and yeah, Barbara, thank you Dave. for saying that we are the best show at PHLY. Um, and that you guys are just, I'm just glad you guys are enjoying joining our show each time. Uh, Jamie, I was just, can you do the thing? Do you know how to do, wait, why am I like the only, I like can't do it. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Like there you my, go, you kind of got it. It's like, I can't really see though. There's a screenshot for today's show, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> like I can do this. Oh, I think I was originally trying to do it this way. Yeah, no, you got to get the. Tyler, can you do it? I feel like as well, a kid, I could do camera, it so we'll tell easily. You if can do it or not. Oh, you removed the. Ha- yeah, wow, Tyler yours can do looks it. good. You really got to get the fingers on the jaw to, oh. to flip the face. You know what? I've got, a, I've got a little face. I feel like I should be able to do it easier. Hmm. I got a little face. Where did that Where did that come from? Me doing the shady razor hat? All right. <laughs> as you're doing the shady razor, I was over here like <laughs> trying to do it. If anybody caught me, and hopefully nobody's paying attention to me. And, uh, Bar- um, and I realized I can't do it. Barbara in the chat had asked about Blake Snell. Uh, and oh, yes. I thought she, you were talking about her giving us an A+. Plus. Oh, but well, yes, that, that is also Snell. awesome, Barbara. Uh, Blake Snell, look, he's the top pitcher on the market. Uh, he's going to get a lot of money in a lot of years, much like Aaron Nola. He's only really done it at this level for one year, so it's a little risky. But Monday, yeah. the reason I bring it up is Monday, uh, you know, we're going to dive into free agency and start looking at, you know, the money they're losing, the money they can kind of add, what some targets might be early on in free agency if there is such moves. Um my plan right now is obviously Nola, like we just talked about with John. Yeah. Um, and I would also try and grab, like, Honestly, like, I don't think there's that many major shakeups coming to the offensive side of things. Uh, I would like a veteran kind of center fielder to pair with one of the young guys. Um, But just go grab like three or four bullpen arms. You can never have them. You can never have enough uh, come playoff time. So, you know, when you're with us Monday, we're going to dive into the offseason and free agency ahead and all that. Uh, but my plan would just be like throw a big lasso around some bullpen arms and yeah. bring them in here. I mean, this this postseason reminded us of that. You need to have, you cannot have enough. Never. Because you, we even were saying on the show and have talked about it. Oh, the bullpen depth. Anybody can step up to the mound and then come postseason. We're like, who's next? Who do we call in? Who do you bring in? And even the fact that Craig had to be used back to back and Orion had to be used back to back. So Barbara says yeah, Kevin def- Kiermeyer. I think that's a big Tyler Zuli guy right there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So it definitely leads cool to Great just defense. wanting to go grab. Yeah. There's, there's pieces out there. I was looking at the list. There's some guys I can't wait to dive into that on Monday. There's been some other crazy things uh, as we get ready to wrap up really quickly though. But you know where you don't have to worry about losing money? FOCO. They'll save you money finding great products, merchandise, apparel, bobbleheads, whatever it is you're looking, maybe even some cool, there it is, there it is, some cool eyewear. Um, I'm going to practice all weekend. But maybe even some cool eyewear, hats, whatever it is that you're looking to rock your favorite teams because Philly sports right now are rocking and rolling Philadelphia Union have a playoff game next Wednesday. The Sixers are playing. A Wednesday playoff game? 
Come on. I don't want to talk about it. The Sixers are facing the Suns on Saturday, tomorrow. Eagles, Cowboys, Sunday, Flyers, the Fly Guys. So lots to support. Head over to FOCO. Use that code P-H-O-Y. Again, for those listening on podcast platforms or in, in their cars, wherever you're tuning in from, P-H-O-Y gets you 10% off when you head over to FOCO. All right. Quick run through because we have to wrap up here. Yeah, we'll get into um, some of these more depth on yeah, Monday. Yeah, we'll dive in. We'll dive in quicker, but just a, a quick run through of some topics that we've been keeping an eye on. DraftKings did release the World Series odds. Well, they always had the World Series odds out, but DraftKings World Series odds. The Phillies dropped in fifth now. I think I think it's a fair Feels place. Right? Fair, fair place to be. They're behind the Braves and the Dodgers in the NL. Uh, and then in the AL, you have the Astros and the Rangers. So, you know, they're right there with the Yankees, better odds, um, well, worse odds for the gambler, better odds to win uh, than the Yankees. Uh, Orioles are right behind the Yankees, uh, Blue Jays, Padres, Rays. I mean, to me, when I read this, it's a three-team race in the NL, and it's yeah. the Atlanta Braves, the LA Dodgers, and the Phillies. And uh, hopefully they improve enough uh, in the offseason where – you know, maybe they can shorten that number between them and the Dodgers a little bit. Yeah, I was a little surprised that the Braves and Dodgers are still sitting at the top spots. But I, I think it's a lot of people just chopping it up to that the Rangers and Astros, they're not expecting um, to, to, to run it back specifically for the Rangers. So, yeah, that's interesting. Um, and the, these comments, and maybe we'll get the audio over the weekend, but Scott Boris made. Oh, yes. Talk about, about it, Jamie. Bryce Harper. Uh, very interesting. <laughs> uh, and it's it's kind of, he joined the John Heyman podcast yesterday. Uh, and it's cl pretty clear from his comments that uh, Bryce Harper's agent, Scott Boris, uh, was not in favor of Bryce doing the no opt-out clause in his contract and knows his client is underpaid. And we'll, we'll deep dive this on Monday and read you the actual comments and everything. Uh, but just know this, a Bryce Harper uh, contract renegotiation is probably going to happen based on these comments. Um, so the Phillies are probably going to have to pony up a little bit more uh, to keep Bryce happy because it certainly seems... Uh, like this is something that Boris and Bryce are going to push for, which is not the best news in the world because um, part of the um, sexiness of Bryce Harper is that he is kind of underpaid by annual average salary, uh, and that allowed the team to spend more elsewhere. So, you know, that, that all goes into the offseason, uh, you know, conundrum that you're looking at. But uh, just know that Bryce Harper and Scott Boris are – Looking for some more money, and I don't think anybody can say he doesn't deserve it. So, yeah, well, money is this the conversation now around the league? Uh, the Padres broke, broke Padres, poor Padres, and not because we feel bad for them, because they are financially poor. Uh, reportedly took out a $50 million loan to help cover uh, the third largest payroll this season in Major League Baseball. The the details on that are mind-blowing I know this broke earlier this week but in, as we're getting ready for Monday it definitely makes you wonder the Padres are dealing with some banking payroll issues fortunately definitely Jonathan not our money not our problem uh I could actually empathize with you know you you cash and checks too large that you then that your well, bank John account Middleton can't support has, has said himself <laughs> yeah. he's undervalued so like if if you were going Ooh. before an arbiter which they're not uh John Middleton's comments would be very much used by Scott Boris in oh, that uh, yeah. that bargaining agreement so yeah yeah so definitely keeping an eye on the Padres specific 
specifically Juan Soto Barbara agreed with you as they're talking about who is his agent. I mean, if we're uh, going to get nuts, yeah, go get Juan Soto. That'd be fucking awesome. We'd love that. So Monday, <laughs> as we're back, uh, we will have plenty to get into because we've got to talk about all that's going on Monday um, in terms of the big news, the big conversation, money, Cha-ching. future. So, Jamie, I know you have a birthday that's coming up this weekend, tomorrow. Yeah, I do. Happy early birthday Thank to you. Thank you very much. Happy birthday. I know we got to wrap, but I'm going to yeah. sing the quick version. Happy <laughs> birthday. The, the um, Gracie's Corner version. Happy birthday to... Oh, yeah. Okay. Going Happy out to dinner with birthday. the girls tonight uh, and my mom. So, uh, very much looking forward to a nice, chill weekend, and uh, it'll be great. Happy birthday Thank you. to you. Thank you, everybody. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Give Jamie a nice happy birthday. Make sure you're uh, sending him your birthday wishes. And we hope you enjoy your birthday. We hope you guys enjoy your weekend. Let's go Eagles, Phillies. Go Birds. Oh, no. I keep saying that. It's just habit. Go Sixers. Sixers. I always say Phillies. I'm just so used to saying go go Phillies. (laughs) Go Sixers. Go Eagles. Go Flyers. We'll see you back here on Monday for more on PHOI Phillies podcast. As Jamie's going to be a whole year older. Jamie, see you next year. And have a good one. We'll see you guys Monday. Adios. We all silly like the mayor. 